0: Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us.
1: <laughs> and uh, glad you're here tonight. We, uh, uh this is, a uh, uh, you guys are the guinea pigs? So thank you for that, uh, trying to figure out this new building and what, what it all entails. Uh, we, I, I originally sent out an email, if you got it on Monday or, or whenever I sent it out, about we'd be in another classroom. Then I tried to set these tables up, and I realized these are really big tables. <laughs> so even today, we ordered some narrower tables for classrooms. You know So we'll get those in probably, uh, probably in a few weeks uh, after we take a break next week. We get to the, uh, uh, it's uh, April 20th, I wrote it down in the, in the syllabus there. Uh, we'll probably be in that other classroom, that first classroom again. That's the game plan. If the tables fit. <laughs> 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 then we'll then keep adjusting. You know, We think they're gonna fit, but you just never know. So we're doing the best we can, and uh, we're, uh, we're in the midst of being gracious to one another and kind, as one of our elders said, sweet and gentle with one another. That's the beautiful thing about change is you've got to be sweet and gentle with one another and adapt and overcome and all, all in this together. So hopefully we're all going to learn some things and keep growing, but uh, yeah. I think uh, we, we'll leave that door open unless it gets too loud. I guess, Art, I guess you're the... I'll be in charge of Yeah, you're, the yeah. <laughs> and so, it, yeah, uh, thank you. Um, bathrooms, if you need a bathroom, they are in the, the next hallway over. So and I, I was I you know I was looking at how do how do it's like these new toilets how do you flush them? <laughs> so if you have to stand there a little bit and figure it out, it's okay. No, no no pressure. You know change is change and uh, <laughs> just enjoy it. So uh, yeah, uh, boy. And we got if you've never seen the solar panels, there they are. Yeah, beauty awe inspiring. Yeah, I don't know what we can do about that, but you can count the solar panels <laughs> if you get bored in class. <laughs> oh. well, I think I think we'll just get going here. Uh, Lord God Almighty, we uh, we gather in your presence tonight. We gather because we want to know more about you. We, we want to know you. We, we wanna be your people. We wanna uh, speak about you accurately. We wanna live in your presence uh, in, in a way that we're thinking about you accurately and living out our, our faith in, in accurate ways and true ways. So, Heavenly Father, we ask for the grace as we, as we just run down this long list of attributes, Lord, that you'd give us uh, the things that you want us to learn, the things each individually that you want us to pull away and apply to our life. And we do ask, Lord, that over time, this massive amount of information that we've been covering, that, that somehow all the, the, the dots would start to connect in ways that, uh, that can glorify you and be used to serve you and to love people and to serve people and share the gospel and and, and uh, glo- yeah and, and make much of you in this world. So we, we humbly ask tonight uh, for your grace and your favor upon us that, uh, that uh, yeah we, we will learn and, and grow and know you more. We so love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen all right let's start off with the quiz in Jesus' name there is there's uh, some pens back there if anybody needs a pen if you don't have a, a writing instrument and just uh, you know I these these can be really irritating to people but uh, just just try to match them up where does number one go of all those definitions I'd suggest maybe reading the first definition there and trying to find which one of 1 through 27 and then go that way. It seems to go faster if you go, go that direction. And you I don't know, God, I don't know if, if there's a crown, a jewel in your crown if you get 100%. I don't know what that means. Probably not. No. <laughs> should have said this is an open book test. Hi Jeanette. Hi. Found us.
2: Did we have homework?
1: No, we're just taking the, so the a final quiz. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh I'm no! Just kidding. <laughs> no one's crying too Are, bad.
2: Can we use the rain building tomorrow for overtones?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Alright, cool. For sure. Yeah, right. I meant to... Mr.
2: Divine told me that they're... Yes. ...meaning now in this wonderful new building.
3: Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. yeah it's, I'm. I'm excited. We can get that going for you, full time. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard.
4: It's open book. Oh. 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 Thank you, Marjorie. If that helps, it does. <laughs>
3: Oops.
1: Five more minutes. And don't, yeah. don't worry if you're uh, a failure. And no, oh, you're not. We're talking about the infinite God here. This is hard. Ha, 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 ha. (laughs) Well, go ahead and start wrapping up. Very good, uh, I didn't hear anybody whimpering or weeping openly. <laughs> uh, we are, I, I don't really wanna, we, we could spend the rest of the class going through these and uh, wrestling with these, but was there any, any one of these that you really, really wanna know the answer to? Or you really struggled with? Which one is that?
5: One, two,
2: four.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you get all of these directly from Gudem?
1: Yeah. This this came out yeah. This came out of uh, his workbook. So this this is what they put out for his the workbook for this, and I just poached this quiz from from the workbook. So it definitely yeah, makes you think. Oh really? Oh, did you hear that? All the answers are in the glossary of the book. Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> I was looking fine for what was
2: like one.
4: one five one three,
5: like right in right. And you go back one five one
1: three? Go
6: back somewhere in the gifted.
2: 15.06, 15.04, look at that Look at that.
1: So the, the professional students went right to the glossary. Yeah. <laughs> All us other folks were struggling Well, uh, so uh, it's Going through that exercise, um, it it was humbling. Is that that okay to say for everybody? That's a humbling exercise to try to define all these attributes and characteristics and and try to understand it. And so when when we think about knowing God in this life, we always have more room to grow. We always can grow in our knowledge and grow in understanding we can always build upon the things we've learned. And so we, we, one of the spiritual growth ideas of sanctification is we never arrive, either in our knowledge or in our practice. We can always keep growing in, in understanding God and living out His truth and His character in real world um, situations. <coughs> So let's, uh, let's let's start, uh, tonight we're, uh, there's going to be certain things that I'm gonna, probably going to skip, and I just realized there's no clock in here, so that's another thing to think about, um, if, if uh, I forget what time it is, please uh, tell me as you're walking out that it's past time, <laughs> but the moral, and your outline there, the moral attributes of God, and again next week, we don't have a, we don't have a meeting next week, it's Easter week, so it, uh, start reading if you are, have some time to read. Start reading chapter 14 of the Trinity, because that's a long chapter. 60
5: pages. 60 pages.
1: Yeah, so, but it's but it's worthwhile because this is one of the core core truths of our faith: who God is, the Trinity. So we really want to wrestle with that and and get get into that a lot. So please start reading about the Trinity. Uh, I got this quote on on your outline there, the moral attributes of God. Not only is God morally perfect, he is the standard for morality. Uh, Rather than he himself being ruled by some moral concept, external to himself, God's disposition towards creation is the standard at which we will be judged, and we are to judge all human conduct. Give me some feedback on that statement.
6: Tell you hear, you're, you're not supposed to judge. You're not supposed to judge. So, you know, I, I see that often you know, in the Bible, but, you know, how do you approach that? With love, of course, but at the same time, you're always going to hit a wall with that, and you're always going to throw that in your face, but you're not supposed to
1: People in, in today's culture can choose to be whatever they want and they can choose how to live uh, however we want they want and we are not in in cultural standards supposed to judge their behaviors or their identity or, or anything like that. Um, we're just supposed to acknowledge and appreciate and support. No, judgment is evil in today's culture. Right. right? Biblically, are we supposed to? Right. And, and, wh- and God is... is the definition of, of righteousness, goodness, truth, all these different characteristics we looked at. Give me some more information, give me some more feedback on that, that, that statement.
2: I thought that we can't necessarily judge um, people that aren't Christians. I mean, we can keep away from them <laughs> or, you know, or try to talk to them, but... Them, but from what I understand, we're not supposed to judge them, but we can judge other Christians if okay. we think
4: they're doing something
1: wrong. Well, as we as can, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're supposed to call each other out right. and in love, yeah. call people to God as our standard in His commands and His. Uh, so yeah, it, people are lost when they when they're not born again, when they don't have the Spirit of God in them. Yeah. We can understand that they are going to make some.
5: We aren't the conscience for our culture. What is? Okay. Oh, that's a good
1: question. So that getting at that statement there, uh, what what is the standard? What is the what is the truth that uh, we're, we're to live by, or what is truth? Uh, this this statement goes back to God as the standard. He's the standard of morality. What what else are you seeing in this statement? But then, when you pose that question of like.
2: Can
4: we ever then really know all of God's moral, so then can we ever get to a place where we could really say, this is my standard of judgment, but it's imperfect
2: because I'm imperfect.
1: Great question. What do you think about that?
4: Mm -hmm. Well, I think even, I was just looking up the sermon on the map. It says, judge not that you be not judged. Right. For the, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I think there's a sense of, and then it goes on, you know, take the, speck, take the log out of your eye before you discover the, the Yeah. So I think that's why we're cautious about the judgment. thing.
1: We don't impose uh, ourselves as holier than thou or better than others or over others. But there is a God who is perfect and righteous and true. And uh, so th- it, those, those verses come in a certain context, of course, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but
3: I think that the word judgment also seems to come with some condemnation. It does. Oh, and you know, positioning ourselves as, more as the judges. And I think we are called to be discerning, yes, to be wise, to, to, you know, to know the truth and to be discerning, but not to, to condemn.
1: Yep, yep. so we, we, we don't put ourselves in that position of being the judge. We're not the judge, but there is a judge.
5: Yeah, maybe part of the context is leaving vengeance to God.
1: He's the judge.
5: Yeah,
1: he's the mm-hmm. ultimate. And, and so my, my big point in this is we enter into the moral attributes of God is that there, there's got to be some standard. Like, how do we know right from wrong? Uh, we, we make it up ourselves, or is there a standard? And so that, to Jordan's question, we will never arrive at perfect understanding. But we have, as we've studied in those first four or five chapters, we have the Word of God. We have revelation from God that says, this is, this is the command, this is the truth, this is, this is right, this is wrong. And so we're appealing to some standard in our economic system, in our justice system, in our educational system. Every, there's an ultimate standard to everything. And what is that? If it's not God, if, if it's not the creator, what is the ultimate standard?
2: There isn't
1: what, 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 are, what are the standards in our culture? What, what do people appeal to as the, for their, Everyone their, does, their right
2: higher their self.
1: Higher self, what'd you say, Dave?
7: Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. The yeah, most I'm good
1: saying. for the most people. The mo- okay, a utilitarian ethic, most good for most people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh it, it, this is getting at if we don't have if if there isn't an ultimate standard, everyone's going to make up their own standard. But we, we of course we run into issues here and struggles here with okay, Islam says, you know, uh, Allah is the standard, the Christianity says Yahweh is the standard, and Jesus is the standard. So there's there's more there's more to the argument. <laughs> of course, why do we think that Jesus is is uh, different or, or better than allah etc cetera, etc cetera. so that that's where you get into some of the comparative religion things but i think the the basis of of western civilization is that there is an ultimate standard and in, in god is and so we base our ultimately base our laws and our, our so much of how we live and what we expect on on a divine standard and so we i think as we get into the book we'll see more of that but so as we get into the, the moral a- attributes of God, goodness, uh, and I love Grudem's quote there: "What is good? Good is what God approves." Um, we, we're seeing a, a real-life situation being lived out with, uh, of course, uh, Putin in Ukraine right now. Uh, he's he's saying that what is good is to, you know, do his thing and reclaim land and stuff and. So there's going to be an argument on human human levels about what is good, but we say ultimately not what I feel, not what I desire, not what my neighbor thinks, not what our culture thinks, but what God says is good is what is good, is where we have to go. Now, we could argue about that a lot and talk about that a lot, but I think that's the starting point. Um and uh, so in our culture, uh, even Isaiah way back when called it out, a woe to those who call evil good and good evil, put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Uh, people have always tried to frame issues a certain way or tried to deceive others or, or argue for what they say is good. And uh, you know, even Jesus, when he was, when he was uh, healing people and casting out demons, even the Pharisees and the scribes said, you know, he's, he's cast out demons by the prince of demons. Uh, there's always going to be people that claim what they're doing is good when it's, when it's not. Are there ex- some examples in our culture of people calling some, something good which isn't? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we don't even have to spend time talking about that. I don't think if people aren't defining good by the standard of God's goodness, what are they using as their standard? And again, that's you can talk about that all day. Right? Hey, just a, uh, a personal, a personal story. When I was a little kid, my dad, you know, when he left my mom, I uh, he he said, "This is for the best. This is good," you know. And as a little guy, just wrestling with that and talking about that, it, it made me think in my mind, what is, what's going on here? And, and not, you know, everyone's got their own story and their own history and their own background. But, but my, my dad, you know, as I, I knew him, he was, he didn't want to push through in a relationship with my mom. And so he came up with his own, and, and she wasn't a perfect person. <laughs> and this is just my story. You know, uh, he 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 called what was, in, you know, what I is I perceive it. I don't know the whole story. I, I'm not omnipresent, <laughs> right? But I I could see it. He was he was wanting to get out of a relationship. So, but he 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 called what he was doing good, and, and just talking to relatives and talking to other family members, it wasn't good. Maybe it's good for his emotions, maybe it's good for his sanity, but what was right in God's sight? Yeah. Those, kind of, those kind of questions, you know? So, uh, standards, this is, this is super important. God is good, he's the definition of goodness, is what Gruden gets at. Uh, how is good related to loving others? Um, this is application. Uh, it's Galatians six ten. So then as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of faith. Uh, we could bring our own definitions of good into the mix, and it might not be good. So we have to have a standard to measure by, right? And God is that standard. That's, that's a huge, huge deal for us. His, his commands, his principles, his precepts, his character, that's what is good. And so if we want to know what good is, we have to go to God. Uh, Romans 12:8 through 10, Let no, no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever other, other commands there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of law. How is doing good related to loving others? How is doing good related to loving others? Well,
4: with love comes caring and wanting the best for the person you love. So
1: That's good. God says that's good. (laughs) I, I put those those scriptures back to back there. Let us do good to everyone. What what is good? To it, morally. To love. To love. to love. is good. What and what is love? That we how, how does Grudem define love? God's love is self-giving. S- Self giving. Is, is a, a great? Service? Service. 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 Yeah. yeah. yeah.
5: Service.
4: God eternally gives himself.
1: God eternally gives himself to others, that's love, and that's good. And so the ultimate definition of good and love is Jesus Christ. As he, as we celebrate in the incarnation and the cross. And
4: yet Jesus says, I call you good, there's only one good, and
1: that's God. Yeah, and, and he, yeah in the context, of course, he, he, was, he was pointing the guy to God. He wasn't denying he was good right? He was, he was using, like, what are you talking to me? You don't know who I am, do you? You saying I'm good? Only God is good. Are you saying I'm God? You know, so he wasn't denying he was God or he was good, but he was just, in the context, he was redirecting the man to think about who he's talking to. Um, it, it, some of these things, as you start looking at them, they do start overlapping. Love is good. Good is love. Uh, th- there's really a lot of parallel definitions to these things, Self giving is good. Um, selfishness selfishness is not good.
7: That's what makes that test so hard.
1: There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff all, there, yeah. It's all in the open. Yeah. So you could
7: say it, they're all unity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen.
1: It's like I, I great application.
7: <laughs> yeah.
1: Just related to So I, I God, I think the big takeaway is God is good, and he's the standard of goodness. Good is what God approves. And God always approves of love. Not necessarily the warm fuzzies that we think. It's the self-giving, self-sacrifice, serving others.
5: Like
1: the agape. The agape love, yep.
5: The angel's message was peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And some of translations say peace toward men of goodwill. I often have to ask
1: myself, am I being a person of good Great question. It's
5: hard to always be a person of good
1: It really is. It's really hard. You're walking through the wind and you go into the store <laughs> and <laughs> you just want to get out of the store and get home.
2: But somebody stops you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's, uh, let's, on the next page there, uh, he, he tied three attributes to the goodness of God. Mercy, grace, and patience. Without looking, try to recite Grudem's definition. God's goodness, mercy, is God's goodness towards. (laughs)
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The distressed, the suffering. So doesn't that bring doesn't that bring light? His mercies are new every morning. What a hopeful verse. Wow. God's compassions, his mercies are new every morning. It's, uh, it's, it's really neat to think about it. I, I really liked how he put that definition. And grace is God's goodness towards those
6: who,
1: those who only deserve punishment, which is every one of us. God is so gracious to every one of us and was was grace just a one time thing no <laughs> no
2: man it's every minute every yeah
1: thank you lord for your grace right now thank you lord for the grace you've given me today thank you for the grace you've given my family thank you for the grace you've given me last week and the week to come and yeah patience god's goodness and with in withholding of
6: justice,
1: <laughs> justice. <laughs> wrath or justice yeah yeah Towards those who deserve it, yeah. So, um, we have a, a God of mercy, grace, grace, and patience, and that's that. Those that all falls under the term goodness. In in Grudem's estimation, and just just to remind everybody, uh, just as, as he's defined these things, he is using his own s- schema or his own organizational way of talking about the attributes. So other theologians might say it a little bit differently. But I, it, the, these are all really good definitions. And, and other, def, other groups, or other theologians wouldn't put these under goodness as, as Gruden wants to, even though he separated them out in his book, he wants to put them under goodness. Uh, which of these attributes are you most needful of today? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Trick question. <laughs> Uh, what 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 have, what are you most thankful for? His patience, his Patience? yeah. Yes, yes. <clears throat> and and you could say all again. So if you are uh, if you can't sleep at night and you just uh, you know don't know what to pray about, you could just these three. You could spend hours, mm-hmm. if just thanking God for all of His mercy and reciting all the ways He's been merciful, or. He that he is the I am. Yeah. Uh, you, could, you could just run down, Lord, I need mercy for, uh, you, you have been merciful in the past for, uh, my, my kids need mercy for, right? You could, you could spend so much time praying just on these three attributes and lifting it up to the Lord. God, thank you for your patience uh, back in 1992 when I was a punk. That <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you didn't blow me up yeah. back then right and you could just it, these uh, it's just wonderful to know that these are God's characteristics and qualities that he's good and he's like this so if you in and, and if the devil comes and he's talking to you about how God's out to get you or if you know you've lost you've lost um any hope you can go run towards these definitions of grace and oh well, my God is gracious mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ he's done this and this and this for me and you can tell yourself the truth preach your, preach the gospel to yourself right through these, uh, these, these characteristics, these attributes of God. Um, any, any thoughts on those, or anything that, goodness or love, uh, mercy, grace, and patience? That's
5: the first prayer that you all learned as a kid, God is great and God is good, and we thank him for our food, by his hand we all are fed, give us Lord our daily bread, that's the first prayer I learned as a real, real good kid. God is great and God is good. I had no idea how profound that theology was, Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and what's the rest of it?
5: God is great and God is good, and we thank Him for this food. By Provider? God, we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Yeah. Praise God.
1: You yeah. all didn't learn that. Not the second part, just the first. Yes. I learned <laughs> us O Lord,
4: in these gifts
2: which we are about to receive. Yeah. In the mercy of God.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's great, Don. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, Let's move on to love, uh, love and holiness. This is, th- these, are, these, these are often uh, highlights or, or, or uh, center attributes, uh, cardinal attributes, as some would say. Um, and I, I, I tried to keep them short, but it was really hard. God's love is his self-giving affection and selfless concern that lead him to actively seek the happiness and well-being of his image-bearing creatures. That was a definition that I I really liked from another theologian. Uh, Grudem's definition of love, does anybody have that?
2: Look in the glossary. Yeah, we figured that out. Page 237. It's on 1514
5: in
1: the
5: glossary. God eternally gives
4: of himself to others.
1: Yeah.
5: You know, we're so inclined to think of love as a feeling. It's so important in my 40 years in psychiatric practice to find love as behaving lovingly toward another person. It doesn't matter how you feel. Forget how you feel. If you want to be loving, then, then do the right thing. Behave in a loving way. And forget about how you're feeling. Amen. If you act on how you're feeling, you're not going to be loving. It's not a good share of the time. And yeah. it is possible to behave in a loving manner, even when I'm angry with Cheryl. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Happens it Happens
1: once a decade. Possible. Yeah, it's possible. Thank you for that, Don. That That's.
5: Again. Love is believing. Loving. And... Love is treating someone else in a in a kind manner. Yeah. It's treating them lovingly. Right. It's not how you it's feel. An it's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. Yeah. I
2: brought that up in my we ever been mad at God but
7: when we worship him and adore who he is it's I mean we, we can get angry at God for the way we're living or the situation we're in but we still have respect and we still can worship and that always turns out good when we go back to worship
1: Amen Amen
7: Treating him as he needs to have love in spite of the way we feel. In spite of the way we feel, yeah. I think David, I mean even in the Psalms, David sometimes reflected that. sure did. Why, how long? Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, He's got a, and I guess the more I get into this book, I'm really appreciating all the Bible verses he he uses to justify his definitions. Mm -hmm. If you in in years to come, when you pull out this book and you're looking up uh, what is love, or, or you're doing a Bible study, or you're teaching your grandchildren, or somebody, uh, the wealth of of this, you know, one of the reasons I picked this book was all the all the Bible quotes that he has. But these are just excellent in here. So um, don't, you know, in our the outlines I've been given out, I, I haven't quoted a bunch of Bible because it's been in the book. But I'm just very impressed by how he's taken all the Bible verses and condensed them into definitions of, of God's character and his attributes. So absolutely, love, uh, <laughs> love. Uh, God's love means that God eternally gives of himself to others. Man, that, I guess that's a big takeaway um, that he, he gives of himself to others eternally. Yeah. means that even after this life, he's not going to stop loving you He's not gonna stop loving me he's gonna keep giving like we, sometimes we think when we get to heaven we've arrived and you know we can just sit around and play harps or whatever he's gonna keep loving us giving of himself the infinite all powerful almighty God the unified God He's gonna keep giving of himself for our betterment forever what a great God it's it just blows me away to think about that <laughs> And my, uh, I don't know if you underline this too, but the favorite quote I got out of this section at, uh, at, uh, under love: it, it should cause us great joy to know that it is the purpose of God, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, to give of themselves to bring us true joy and happiness. It is God's nature to act that way to towards act that way. To act, the choice, the decision, the the? It flows out of who He is, though, out of His being. It's God's nature to act that way towards us towards those upon whom he has set his love, and he will continue to act that way towards us for all eternity.
5: Now I have a caveat.
1: Please. I
5: get, I get motion sick pretty easy, and especially if, if I got, get on an airplane and it's, and it's rough. And I remember getting on an airplane and it was rough and I was getting, I got motion sick and I filled my bag and Cheryl's bag and, and a <laughs> on the plane behind me waited around afterwards to see if I was gonna be able to even get off the plane. But the lesson in that for me was, I, and I remember thinking, God, don't you love me? Can't you get rid of this motion sickness and help me manage this better? Because I was miserable and making everybody near me miserable. And and what came to me was that God was is more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and I've had to go back to that many, many times when I, when my... And my comfort is really not God's uppermost concern. But my character is always.
1: Okay, excellent. Okay, thank you for that. That's That's a great, great illustration of your suffering. We've all suffered. We've all go through trials and tribulations. All maybe have, have had hateful things done to us. Yeah. Right? And so we wonder, when you look at that definition initially, well, it says that God wants to give himself for my joy and happiness. And Don's on an airplane saying, I'm not happy. <laughs> uh, or joyful. <laughs> or joyful. So what's going on? And so what What the bigger picture is, is that he lets us go through terrible things, evil things, and, and troublesome things. Uh, not, that, not that those things are good in any way, but those things do develop us into the people he wants us to be. Do, they do bring about a character, a transformation in who we are, so that ultimately... There is a joy and a happiness and a peace. James one. Okay.
4: Go through those trials uh, because it develops
5: perseverance and character. Because pure joy. I'm (laughs) in trouble
3: with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so so Romans five verses three through five and James James one, uh, uh, verses. Was it? Oh, I'm in Peter. It's James chapter 1. Yeah, it's James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God ultimately wants us to get us to that, that, that maturity, uh, perfect, perfection and completion maturity, uh, and then that's where we can really be joyful. Complete.
3: Joy there, not happy.
1: there, is is there a difference?
3: Well, happiness is circumstance-driven. Where mm-hmm. joy should be there mm-hmm. all the time.
1: Amen. I mean, you're going to do this number, but and and so, happy, should still remain. The
3: happiness is going to come and
1: Excellent. So, joy can be a, a characteristic of us even in the midst of dark times, because mm-hmm. we know because we know the truth. We know God. We're safe. We're secure. We have peace where happiness can ebb and flow.
4: That, that knowing, I mean, that's part of the verse, because you know that this will bring. And if I don't know that, if I don't believe that, I'm not going to like it.
3: Yeah. Well, we don't know that unless we go through some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. We know that we, because of experience and stuff that he's allowed us to go through, we know how he has delivered us before. He may not deliver us the same way out of the same situation, but... He's faithful in that he is going. He's going to use that situation to develop something in us that's lacking. I really right closer to him too. You know, if we get to the point where we're so independent, we're no good to him. He wants us to. You know, he wants us to depend on him and call on him, and to stay in that attitude where we're not looking for someone else's. Of relief,
1: other than him. Amen. Well, and that's, and that's
4: um, trusting him. I mean, just trusting that word that it will develop this, it will.
1: I don't like what I'm going through. You know, I've I've prayed for my my wife's healing for 20 years, and she's not healed yet. But I'm trusting, and I know, you know, some of those things that ultimately God is at work, and He's got a outcome that He wants to see. In his wisdom, he knows the best outcome, and he knows the best way to get there. That's what definition we learned. Dave?
7: Um, I I see the word true joy here, and I go back to page 224, the last paragraph. He says, when we realize that God is the perfection of all that we long for or desire, that he is the summation of everything beautiful or desirable. I just love that. (laughs) God is the summation Of everything beautiful or desirable Um, and then the last at the last of that paragraph says um, this vision of God will be consummation of our knowing God and will give us full delight and joy for all eternity in your presence there's fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forevermore I just
1: that's a great way to tie that in
7: I mean, and that's under invisibility. I don't know how you got that under <laughs> invisibility, but it's, I mean, I just put stars by that. I was like, man, that's some deep thinking there. It is, and praise God. All so what we long for.
1: The, the best thing we can get is to know God. Yeah. Um, is a summation of that.
5: I, you know, most of the translations translate Romans 828, as does the ESV, and we know that for those who love God all things work for, him. all things together for good. The NIV I like so much better, and it's a minor point, but the NIV says in all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to the purpose. In all things. It doesn't try to
1: make those things good. Hey man, I bet in uh, 40 years of psychiatric practice you saw some bad things. I saw lots. Yeah. And so in in all things, in all things. that's a big statement. Our God is able and sufficient and capable to bring good outcomes even in the worst. <coughs>
5: of things. Yeah, I think mean, that's what's so marvelous. He can actually take really bad things and bring good out of
1: it. And He never calls the bad things good.
7: No. I mm-hmm.
1: have to clarify that.
7: The thorn, the thorn in Paul's side.
1: It's yeah, a bad thing.
7: fulfilled and joyful.
1: Yeah, the, the things that are happening in Ukraine or even on our streets right now in Alamosa, we can't call them good. But can God use those things ultimately for good ends and outcomes? Of course he can, yeah. Uh, so uh, love, and then there's holiness. And the, uh, the other, so love is often, and we'll talk about that in a moment, it's often one of the, lifted up as the greatest attribute. Holiness is also lifted up as one of the greatest attributes. And again, I, I found a, a different theologian here, just because I, I liked how he, uh, this is Stanley Grins, he's, he's gone the glory. Um, But three meanings of holiness in the Bible. God's transcendence, God's uniqueness, and God's moral uprightness. God is holy in that he is different from creation. Right? So we we studied that. He's totally different from creation. He's other. (laughs) He's spirit. And we can't even describe what spirit is because it's not created. we learned that. So he's totally different from creation. He is beyond the world he made. So, transcendent. Uh, So, that's an aspect of holiness in this this man's opinion. Likewise, God is also holy and is unique among and set apart from all the gods. There's no God like our God. Um, Holiness, however, is also an appropriate description of a dimension of God's moral character. God is holy in that he is just and totally righteous in all he does. Um, Just and totally righteous in all he does. He's holy. Uh, I think uh, it was Don who quoted the famous verse a few weeks ago from Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, Complete holiness, complete separation, complete uh, distinctiveness, complete uh, moral.
5: That's what the seraphim are also singing around the throne.
1: Yeah. Acknowledging that characteristic and how distinct and how different he is transcendent he is above everything that's been made It's beautiful Um I mean in your past have you thought Defined holiness in a certain way different from this or have you heard about? Holiness like mischaracterized in some way I'm, I'm kind of fishing here I'm just wondering if, if there's been ideas or definitions in your mind of holiness that have been harmful or hurtful.
2: Sometimes when you talk, sometimes when I tell people I'm a Christian, they automatically judge and say, "Oh, you're holier than thou." You're going to start telling me that, you know, all these things and put yourself up as a holier than thou person.
1: So a holy, a holy, a holy, holy person in that sense is a hypocrite or a, or and a judge.
2: Right. Right. The judgmental. Right. Judgmental hypocrite.
4: Right. Holy roller.
1: So, a uh, holy roller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you been one of those before? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's fun, yeah. I mean, hypocrisy
5: is one of the virtues known. This is really dumb, but I can that. hypocrisy is one of the only virtues known to man. If, if you define it as we can try to be or pretend to be better than we are, animals aren't that way. Hmm. Ba- ba- oh, my yeah. <laughs> we got laugh that might be that
7: way. <laughs>
4: uh,
1: okay. so, so our, our, maybe our definition of holiness, it, it doesn't shine a good light on God's holiness. When we talk about holiness as humans, we, we often think about it in negative connotations of judgmental or, or hypocritical. The God God's holiness is the purity of, of like without that. sin. I
5: really like that. I remember when I realized holiness is two things at least. It's the set apartness on one hand, mm-hmm. and it's the purity on the other hand. Different things.
1: Mm-hmm. Amen. We have been uh, we've been a we've been set apart um, to God. We've been made holy. Sanctification can be a dis- description of holiness.
5: And we are called saints.
1: We're called saints, yep, to the saints in, in Galatia or, or, or Ephesus. Um, so, uh, I, and this is another quote, and I, I don't know, I'll, I'll read it. Why, don't we, why we don't want an unholy God. I may want this teddy bear God when I'm feeling guilty, when my conscience is bugging me, or when I, when I want to rationalize my desire for sin. But I do not want this God in the long run. This God is like permissive parents who let their kids drink and do drugs and have sex without guilt. When we were young, we thought they were cool, but they weren't. They were lazy and did not really love their kids. I don't want a God who says, it's cool, don't sweat it, everyone sins. Just do it without guilt, dude. <laughs> guilt stinks. Uh, just have a good time. This God does not love me. Being soft on sin is not loving because sin destroys. I want a God who hates everything, anything that hurts me. Hate is a strong word, but a good one, because the true God not only hates what destroys me, sin and alienation, but also has taken steps to destroy my destroyer. I love him, and because this God destroys sin by making supreme sacrifice himself, taking all the guilt and pain and suffering, my sin upon himself, I love him with an everlasting love. Uh, I found that under an author that was talking about God's holiness, and how it can be intimidating, or maybe maybe we think sometimes we, you know, like, why is he so harsh, or why is he so you know, right or wrong, and, and so either or, and, and why doesn't he just chill out? Who and, is the author? Uh, I put it on the notes there, um, uh, James Brian Smith, oh, oh. the good and beautiful God, so he's, he's got some neat ways to say things. Do, do you agree with that? What, what, is, what is love? It's always seeking the betterment of somebody. It's always seeking the best for somebody. And to, to let someone go down a road of destruction um, as a parent. Uh, is, you know, so he's, he's making an analogy of parenthood to God's holiness. Um, and so there, there's some, the analogies always fall apart in some sense, but I, I liked it there. As you read the chapter on holiness, was there anything that stuck out to you or anything you wanted to talk about? Anything you underlined there that you thought was pertinent or helpful? It's on page 240 to 242. His definition is God's holiness means that he is separated from sin and devoted to seeking his own honor.
3: It's like we need to learn to hate the things that God hates and love the
6: things that God loves. Amen. So there's a question on that. and so in
3: 241 where it says, all
6: encourages Christians to be separate from the dominating influence that comes from close association with unbelievers. And
1: Which that, uh, paragraph are you in? Uh, it's at the, yeah, bottom, it's the
4: bottom of
2: the
6: 241. Last okay. And it says that, that comes from close association with that basically doesn't mean that you don't associate with unbelievers in a way that you're not, you're basically not joining in what they're doing, but you're trying to give them. You're never going to bring anybody to God if you associate right. with them, you know, non-believers So we write the fine line, right? So, you know, if you know family members who aren't Christians, who don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're still going to go to their house. Might not associate with what the they may be or may not be doing, but you still represent your
1: belief, right? Does, it, does anybody have a story or an account of uh, associating with uh, lost people intentionally and it turned out well?
4: You did. You yeah. did. When you went to the bar. Yeah, okay. okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. okay. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, what, what else? What other. Times have you made a big just uh, still on those lines where you've you know chosen to associate with lost people and it's something's good ha- has happened.
2: I can say that for the overcomers outreach, mm-hmm. right. lost people we all are you know, especially in that group. But um, Amen. there's some good that's coming from it. Amen. Pretty good discussions. I had a Bible reading,
4: a Bible study of just believers and unbelievers, and uh, the one lady really uh, became a Christian. And then down the road, she actually led a study and uh, of, of people that she knew that weren't Christians.
1: So it's, it's very clear, I mean, that we are supposed to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and, and we're not going there geographically. <laughs> there's, there's lost people in different geographies or different places around the world. We're going there for the people, for the lost people, right? And so we're, we're supposed to go and associate and, and live with people in an intentional way for their good, because what is love? Seeking their better, betterment. We, we follow Jesus Christ. He came to us stinkers and, and sinners, and, and he, he came for our betterment, and we're sent out to make uh, our lives a, a means of bettering them or helping them and bringing the gospel to them. What is, what is the so, warning there, though, that, that, that uh, uh, Art and Nancy are pointing out?
2: I, I would uh, comment on that. I think reading it a little bit closely, domi- the dominating, be separate from the dominating influence. It comes from close association. Like, close association. Close association right. and the dominating influence. Right. So, like, you know.
1: so, at some point, we, we go to, uh, like I just read a book uh, that was, let, let, let me read about a book in the Philippines about going to tribes and the Boonies. Uh, I can go live among them, and they might have cultural standards or ways of living that are sinful. I can be with them and love them, but I don't join in to, with the sin, I, I, don't, I don't enter into their wickedness
4: stories in the, in the scripture God's God sending these people to this culture, but don't adopt their beliefs,
1: don't adopt their God, take Amen. your God. Yeah, we, we are, God is holy and we're to be holy as God is holy. So we're supposed to reflect his character, we're supposed to choose his, his principles, his precepts, his way of living. We're supposed to be righteous. And so we, we go and we, in our own families, we have lost people. Right, of course, and and we we enter in with that, but we don't let them. We don't join in with their sin, and if they are, if we're if we're find that we're weak, and we can be dominated, we do need to have some measure of separation there.
5: Does it say somewhere in Proverbs that bad company uh, corrupts,
1: corrupts good, good character, or good character, or good good behavior, or good character, depending on the translation? Yeah.
5: But we're told that
2: we have to go, we're, we're told to go out into the world and preach the gospel. The world is evil, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I mean...
1: Yeah, so finding that balance, like you said, yeah. there is there is a fine line there of close enough to love people and to befriend people and live with people and yet not enter into behaviors that are, are unholy.
6: I mean, it was, I mean, you know, I always go back to Samson
4: and then this whole deal that went yeah. down there. What happened?
1: You know? Yeah, he got his hair cut. <laughs> yeah, bummer. So uh, I think it's like you said, to know yourself, know yourself, to know where you're vulnerable. Yeah. If you have a besetting sin in your life or you have something that you constantly stumble in, you don't necessarily approach that lifestyle... Just uh, and, and presumptuously say that, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on a mission for God here and there's no way I'm gonna fall. <laughs> that's, that's not a good strategy. Uh, it's, it's a point of repeated emphasis in the Bible, and this is the, on your outline, that the believer is to be like God. Thus, because God is holy, they who are his followers are also to be called holy, uh, to be holy. God is not only is personally free from any moral wickedness or evil, he is unable to tolerate the presence of evil. He is, as it were, allergic to sin and evil. Those who are his must therefore seek the same holiness that is so basic to his own nature. We're trying to be like Jesus Christ, uh, you know, by the power of the Spirit. In and of ourselves we can't, but we're, we're shooting for Christ-likeness. And holiness is an attribute of God, and so we want to be holy people. And, and have uh,
5: about 15 minutes. Just
1: to- thank you. Appreciate it. Is that, are, are we getting holiness, is separation from sin, and devoted to seeking his own honor? So, the big part for us is um, if I am currently uh, allowing sin to dominate my life, or, or if I'm walking in a way that sin is just present, I'm not seeking holiness. You know, we, we, we have to fight against those sinful tendencies and temptations and lifestyles, it's a battle. It's something we choose to do because we want to worship God and emulate Him. Yeah, Dave.
7: So we're the light of the world and light dispels darkness. So we're to live, be in the world but not of the world. And that light, are we going to allow our light to go out when we go in amongst unbelievers to be corrupted by And fall into sin with them because that's not being the light. We're letting our light go out. Yes, sir. So we need to. I think keep when we're amongst unbelievers, when we're in that place of vulnerability, remember that we're the light. We are to be different, even though we're in the environment of bad bad company. Amen.
1: Well, the that
7: environment doesn't
4: have to be this overly like terrible obvious sin it can be as subtle as like mm-hmm.
7: oh, but we, like we have the power to dispel to the darkness watching. right we have that in us
4: like, Yeah. wow but if we shrink back and just mm-hmm. oh it's not a big deal
7: then we know. just let our light go out yeah, yeah. And, then, and then we are
1: yeah amen
4: no, oh. This says God is, as it were, allergic to sin and evil, and you can also say that Satan's allergic to holiness. Mm -hmm. So my my sister said, "Let's give him, let's give him the hives."
3: (laughs) 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 You
1: have a coworker this week you want to give the hives to? Uh,
3: situation it's easier. or whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you can. not A lot of times you have to work through those situations without any of those variables changing. And that's the real test of where I think where Christ is going. Is. He's either able to work in us or not letting him work through us. It's That part of it's up to us. We make decisions that allow us to reach people or even make us better people than we are but it's still our choice because there's some, like i said there's some situations where you can't you can't separate yourself from all that. You just, it's there amen you deal
1: with it amen i uh thank you blaine uh if you're interested in holiness and love one which one is greater i put a paragraph there i'll let you check that out later because uh a lot of theologians lift up love as the greatest, and others lift up holiness as the greatest attribute. And of course, Grudem is saying that uh, we don't want to lift anyone up as greater than the other. But you can read that paragraph. Um, let's move on to righteousness. Second dimension of God's moral purity is His righteousness. That is, as it were, the holiness of God applied to His relationships to other beings. In other words, God commands only what is right, and that will therefore have a positive effect on a believer who obeys. The righteousness of God also means that his actions are in accord with the law which he himself has established. Uh, righteousness, I, I don't know how often we use that word in normal conversation or normal situations. Hey, that's righteous, dude. <laughs> I think surfers use that. And, uh, but uh, I don't know, it's, it's a word that we don't often use in normal conversation. Um, given the, this attribute of God, will there be anyone in heaven or hell who is there by mistake or is there unfairly? The the uh, the answer is no, because God is righteous. I didn't put anything for peace because I didn't understand that one. Did anybody really enjoy reading about peace, or does that make sense as an attribute from Grudem? My, my, my head was, I was scratching my head at that to really make it relevant in my life. You're all excited about it, so I'm going to move on to jealousy. Um, jealousy, what's, uh, what's, somebody read the definition of jealousy. God's jealousy means that God continually seeks to protect his own honor. Seeks to protect his own honor. Uh, that's, uh, how is God's jealousy not a bad thing in his life, but it can be a negative attribute in ours?
5: Well, his jealousy in the Bible was almost always in connection with idols.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: His jealousy was when the Israelites, or when we, have an idol in place of him. Mm-hmm. Then he's jealous. That's a legitimate jealousy.
1: Amen. And so if I've got uh, idols that I'm comparing to God or lifting up to God's level, that is so dishonoring to God. Mm -hmm. Because every idol that we have is is a this-worldly thing or a created thing. It's a man-made thing. It's it's something that doesn't have any of the attributes or not even close to infinite uh, almighty God. So it's a terrible dishonoring of God to worship something that's not God.
5: Is it also used in connection with the analogy of husbands and wives and the people of God being his, yes. his wife, the church being his wife and a jealousy that can grow out of that when we're uh, unfaithful
1: yes sir yeah. Old Testament and New Testament at least. Yes. Yep. Old Testament and New Testament compares the relationship of God's people to a marriage yes. with God so if we are, have idols in our life it's like cheating on God Yeah. dishonoring mm-hmm. to God Good. And
2: idols aren't just carved figurines. No, <laughs> very
1: well said. Yeah. Can anybody share it uh, of uh, an idol that they've had in their life that wasn't a carved statue? Money. Money. <laughs> Other, another idol that maybe you've worshipped before. Food. Food. Mm-hmm. The children. Children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. House. House. Spouse. 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 Oh. Uh, uh, we, we are an idol-making factory. The human heart is an idol-making factory. There's no end to idols that you can make. A building can be an idol. Mm-hmm. For sure. Anything can be an idol. Uh, th- at the bottom of that, page 245, uh, it's, it says, it's healthy for us, the, the last paragraph before the wrath, it's healthy for us, Spiritually, when we settle in our hearts, the fact that God deserves all honor and glory from His creation—we mm-hmm. uh, He deserves all the honor and glory we can give Him. There, there, it's it's we can never, and th- that is right for Him to seek His honor. He alone is infinitely worth being praised. To realize this fact and delight in it is to find the secret of true worship. Mm-hmm. I guess so we we that. can't we can't really uh, we can't really verify that until we've actually. <laughs> praised him <laughs> and lived it out so try that if you want to know what worship true worship is uh, chase that rabbit uh, give god all the praise he's he's worthy of um wrath uh this is this is a uh, god god's wrath means that he intensely hates all sin and and we joked last week about god being a hater and uh he he hates all sin because because what's the consequence? What is, what does sin do?
2: Separates.
1: Separates. What does it what does it do to us? Our relationship with God it separates us. But what does it do to the the object of His love? Destroys. destroys. And so he, he he hates sin because it destroys you. It destroys me. And so would you would you like to worship a God that didn't hate sin? We you know sometimes we think about it like oh God's wrathful oh. And Gruden's point is like you want a God that's wrathful, because mm-hmm. He hates sin. If God winked at sin, you wouldn't want that kind of a God. So it's a it's a necessary attribute for a perfectly loving God and a holy God. Um, let's move let's move on in the remaining uh, 120 mm-hmm. seconds. <laughs> I, I should ask: um, any, is, Are the any of these other ones that you were really int- wanting to talk about? I I struggle with the summary attributes of God. They they seemed, other than the glory part, um, I didn't get a lot of traction in those. Of course, God is perfect. He's beautiful. He's blessed. Um, Uh, boy, read on the secret will of God and the revealed will of God. That was fascinating. But we'll get into that when we get into God's providence. Mm-hmm. We'll really hit that hard. But that was a great introduction to providence. God's secret will and revealed will. Um, let, let me close at this. The last question at the end of on the back of your outline As you study the list of God's attributes. Share one or two things that you've learned about God that's, that have been meaningful to you. Of all these attributes, is there one or two of them that really have resonated with you or really hit you between the eyes or really blessed you uh, to know more about? I think that on your presence, if present in the film, I would like to understand a little bit more about that. Yes, that's, that's a fascinating and a mysterious truth.
5: He's certainly not
1: there in his preferred capacity to bless people. <laughs> He's there in some other capacity. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So that, that attribute was really interesting, God's omnipresence even in hell. Um, what what a, Has there been another attribute that you we've studied that really, something about it really hits you or you really enjoyed reading about or learning about?
3: Peace. Just with lots of things going on with everybody. Just peace and order
4: and
3: he's consistent. He's not he's not inconsistent. He doesn't change with the situation.
1: He's uh the definition of God being in his actions, he is separate from all confusion and disorder. That's neat. He's not stirred up by anything. He's at peace. I
4: think just a reminder that he is a whole unit. He is complete, he's not compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get the whole bag.
1: Yeah, With the, the fullness of God, you're, you're not just getting his wrath, you're not just getting his, his justice, he's, you're getting his love at the same time. There's nothing missing, that unity.
5: Mentions John 3.36 in the top of page 246. That that struck me because I know that Francis Schaeffer never, and I shouldn't say never, he almost almost never quoted John 3.16, which we all know, without quoting John 3.36, which says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. He said that right along with John 3.16.
1: So the the understanding of that is before we meet Jesus Christ and, and are saved, the wrath of God is upon it's everybody honest. who's not yet a Christian. Yeah,
5: yeah, it's a reality. It's a reality.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, my my, I think the thing that stuck out to me most was the attribute of God's love, the uh, sense that He, as it's stated, actively seeking the happiness and joy of His His creation. That struck me in a certain way. Uh, because I, I've, I've probably overdone it in terms of God's holiness sometimes. I've lifted that one up as a higher attribute. And to think that God is interested in my happiness, just reading that statement kind of blew me away uh, in, in a good way.
5: That's now, what that's why I love uh, Brendan Manning's statement, that I have a father who's so fond of me. <laughs> yeah, I just love that. Because we all have a father who's really very fond of us. He doesn't just love us; he's very fond of
1: us. Uh, yeah, and, and and even with the the, uh, the caveat that we, uh, he's not there just to make us happy. He's more interested in our character. Ultimately, he wants us to have joy oh, yeah. and live in joy. And that that was sweet to me. Was there any any other ones, Dave?
7: Um, on blessedness, on two sixty one. Blessedness means that God fully delights in himself and in all that reflects his character. And then it says, God rejoices in his creation, and even when he rejoices in us, it really, it is really the reflection of his own excellent qualities in which he re- is rejoicing. He's rejoicing in himself when he's rejoicing in us. <laughs> I just thought that was neat. Uh, when we remember that the sum of every thing that is desirable and excellent is found in infinite measure in God himself. I mean he's, he's exa- I mean, he's rejoicing in himself when he's rejoicing in his creation. And I just think, wow.
1: <laughs> so God high-fived himself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's in a,
7: it's, in a, it's in a good way.
1: Amen. It's a right. yeah. He's worthy he of honor. Worthy of it. Yeah. There's Amen. no there's no problem there because mm-hmm. he is perfect and he's infinite and he's God. Okay. Uh, well, let's. Uh, I know the time is running away. So, I don't think there's a song that I'm able. To, we're able to sing tonight. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so we dare not try. <laughs> I have one. Okay. One from
4: what he said earlier
6: about
1: your light, about this little light. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, do we know? All, uh, this little light of mine. I'm
4: gonna
1: let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine.
0: Let it shine. Let it shine. Don't let the same
1: Well, Lord God Almighty, send us home safe tonight. We love you. Help us to know you better, and we thank you for your your love and your holiness and all the other attributes holding on together as one. Help us to grow in knowledge of you for your glory, for your honor, for your fame. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Good night.
0: Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God, by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.